Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Hello everyone, I don't know what Pakistanis speak, so I'm just going to say hello. Well, as Joseph Joestar informs us, oh? if you want to make friends with someone in Pakistan and further into the Islamic world, you say, Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, yo. Anakin Skywalker, guys. <laughs> oh no, are we starting this early? Today we watched... Episode 14 of Judge's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders, entitled Justice Part 1. Ooh. It covers chapters 154 through 157 of the manga. Ooh. Or rather, it just goes a few pages into 157 and we'll pick up where we left off next time Ooh. on Jojo's World. Bye. Um, oh, what, oh, but, uh, 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 what's our ending thing? What's our signature sign off? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Would you like to hear some words of wisdom from our man Hirohiko Araki? Is that even a question? So, turns out that uh, reading one new volume per episode isn't sustainable because it goes through slightly faster than the episodes do oh. in terms of volume. So, I'm going back to volume two for this one. Okay. It was New Year, around 20 years ago. My grandfather and I went to the cemetery to steal Takeno Hanasashi, which uh, a later note informs me is a type of bamboo vase for putting flowers into abandoned cemeteries, usually plastic or ceramic. Oh. My grandfather then broke them into long, thin sticks and made me a 60 centimetre kite. On the front of the kite, he painted in ink the character for Fly. The kite flew up high on a strong wind, and so I had a lot of respect for my grandfather. Take care always, Grandpa. He sounds like he had a pretty good life. That's very sincere. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Grandpa. Yeah. Your son is now writing about I wonder if this was the volume in which George Senior died. Volume two. Yeah. Well, volume one's probably part one, and volume two is probably part no. Two. It wouldn't be no. 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 These we're still surely. There are only like five chapters of volume. Are they? Yeah. Oh. Or well. Eight maybe. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> it's still firmly in part one. Okay. All right. Which is like fifty chapters or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's enough there that you could say something happened. So I would hazard a guess that maybe George died. And that it was making him feel nostalgic for dead older relatives. <laughs> you keep on going there. We opened this week's episode in a Pakistani tailor shop. Yeah. A tailor shop of... Well, it still feels quite Indian. It's got that Indian vibe to it. Same subcontinent. Hey, it is the same subcontinent. Jojo's buying a new coat. It's exactly like his old coat. It's a school uniform. <laughs> it's high, heavily customised. It's got a big gold chain on it. It's... His school uniform from every other episode. (laughs) Can't have anyone but Joseph changing clothes after all. (laughs) I just love that the first thing he does is go, I want my coat back. I'm going to go find someone that can make me my coat. And the the lady who works in the shop is like, I've never had to do such an outlandish piece of clothing before. This is so unusual. He just thrusts some money in her face and says, here, I need to go. What? Can you just take the money and let me leave? Later. And then she just stands there with the money and goes, Thank you, kind stranger. Bye, I guess. <laughs> Meanwhile, at an airport or an airstrip, yep. the rest of the boys are getting rid of Anne. <laughs> and there she is, screaming her head off, being like, You cannot get rid of me. Stop it. But alas, Joseph puts his hand on her head and has a heart-to-heart with her. He says all, Oh, we're going on a journey to save my daughter slash Jotaro's mother. Go home, be with your parents, they're probably worried about you, blah blah blah. I know I'm worried about my daughter, who's also infested with magical stuff. Yeah, maybe your parents are, and you would never know because you're over here. (laughs) How would you know, Anne? Yeah. You don't have Hermit Purple. Yeah, Anne. God, Anne. 
And he, she says, I'll make you look good this time, Grandpa. And then she, she looks around, sadly, before getting on the plane. <sighs> what is it? Nothing. <sighs> and then she and runs on the plane. See ya. Life is just a bunch of goodbyes. <laughs> so she's sitting on this plane, which has barely anyone on it. It's, it's taxiing. It's taxiing forward. And it's about to lift off and we she, hear her. She's all, oh, I did want to see Jojo one last time. Oh, no, no. She specifically says, I want to see him again. Oh, whatever. Oh, no, it's more swooning. Who could it be? Who knows? It could be Polnareff. <laughs> she, looks, she looks out the window. And then her eyes light up. And Jojo is just walking down the runway in the opposite direction <laughs> of the taxiing plane. Pretty near the propellers. And he's just like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I don't care about aeroplanes being near me. I like aeroplanes. My favourite colour is transparent. I wrote like on air. my notes here. Oh, look, he's outside walking like a cool douche. <laughs> so he looks like this really cool douche, yeah. right? As he's walking... The opposite way that the aeroplane is going. And Anne is like, Jojo, you better save your mum. I'll be cheering for you. And then she flies away out of the story forever. <laughs> That's a wrap on Anne, everyone. So we never see her again. I don't believe so. I mean, I was saying that maybe she like crops up again in a future part. But no. you were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be fun if she did. I guess so. Because, you know, we... Okay, assuming Jotaro lives Maybe she can becomes of... mayor of Georgia with Smokey. <laughs> she goes to visit Smokey and is all like, Wow, you did so much for me in my hometown of Georgia. That was never actually explicitly stated before. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm Singaporean or something, or from Hong Kong. That is true. That is also a thing. <laughs> but, like, it would be funny if she showed up in, like, part four. Because I'm assuming Jotaro will live. I mean, he might not. He might not. But if he lives... Dio might just break his neck. It's true. Maybe Joseph lives on even further. Is like, yeah, I've got more cyborg stuff. I'm now like a hundred something. He's a Baxter Stockman brain in a jar. But I'm not dying yet. I know about friggin... What is it called? The Ripple? Speedwagon science is the best in the world. God damn right. After the opening, the narrator introduces us to Pakistan. We're in Pakistan? You already knew that. Oh. Next up, <laughs> fabricating emotional reactions. <laughs> Hey man, I need to keep my enthusiasm high. <laughs> Pakistan is a young country, established in 1947 following its separation from India. But when primitive peoples first began to live in Japan, there was already civilization in Pakistan. Here in Pakistan, the people carry on the 5,000 year history of the Indian subcontinent. I like the Indian subcontinent. Mm. It feels good just to say it, <laughs> you know? It's got a, a nice sort of mix of syllables. It does. The Indian subcontinent. Mm. A lot of hard continents. You feel very powerful when yeah. you say it, yeah. I'm going to take over the entire Indian subcontinent because of colonialism. <laughs> Risk, the game of kings. Take over the Indian subcontinent any way you please. That gives you access routes to Southeast Asia and... Another portion of the map. Russia. <laughs> I mean, it's just north, right? It's just north. <laughs> They're driving. They're in a sort of jeep. A Jeep? Yeah, I don't think it's the same car they stole from ZZ last time. I assume they swapped that out at the airstrip. They must have, because mm. that was not a fun car. Uh, Joseph is like, wow, I can't believe you got a Japanese school uniform here in Pakistan, Jotaro. You nerd. I mean, look, you try to act cool, but seriously, it's a school uniform. It fits perfectly. It's 100% wool. That must itch a bit, I would imagine. Oh, 
No, I think wool is like the opposite of the itchy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> wool is the opposite of the itchy stuff. Nick, 2017. Kakuin points out to Polnareff, hey, uh, there's a lot of fog. We should probably be careful and maybe stop driving soon. I think Polnareff is like, yeah, maybe we should. And then keeps driving. We're on this big cliff. There's no guardrail. Man, Where's sure this is. Star Wars? It sure is dangerous, isn't it? It's just, whew. Hey, let's uh, find a safe place in that town that we can stay for the night. As off the side of the cliff is just what looks like a ruined town immersed in fog. It looks like New Londo ruins or something. <laughs> it kind of looks like a magical seabed. Really doesn't. Of despair and decay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's find a nice hotel there with a decent toilet. I still can't get used to these Asian ones where you wash yourself with your hands. Or whatever he says. West Asian, is that what he said? I think so. No, I don't actually know what he's going on about there because I haven't had to use one of them. No, I prefer not to think about non-Western well, well, toilets. Toilets that I'm not used to and therefore... I think any sort of toilet you're not familiar with, <laughs> you're going to have... You're going to. Fu- and this, this is the crux of a lot of Polnareff's comic relief conflict in this part where he encounters a lot of toilets he isn't familiar with and finds them disturbing. <laughs> I think to be fair... One of them did have a pig in it. That's true. I think most people would find that unsettling. They would go and be like, but hang on, it's a pig in a toilet. It gets your ass nice and clean. (laughs) I need to go now where there isn't a pig in a toilet. Yeah. As they're driving into the town, Jojo sees a dead dog impaled on a spike. He's like, was that a dog corpse? 4.5. Oh, we're up to 4.5 now. 4.5. We've got Danny. The one that a cat ate in Ogre Street. The man with the face of a dog. And the one that was eaten by Yellow Temperance in the cable car. And now we have a dead dog on a stick. Yeah. Awkward. So they go into this town. It's foggy. Joseph is like, this is a nice town. It has a population of a few thousand, I'd warrant. There's a restaurant. Let's ask about a hotel. Now, is this when he pulls the... Beautiful line. Well, first, I observe there's a lot of people milling about, but it's kind of weirdly quiet. No one's really talking. Yeah. They're like, everywhere else we went was super crowded and noisy. Must be the fog. There's like no bustling. It makes people withdraw into themselves, you know? You don't want to meet someone you're not familiar with in a crowded, foggy night. Mid-afternoon, I'd say. (laughs) Mid-afternoon. You know, 3 to 4 p.m. Did you know that the London fog is actually pollution? Pollution? Yeah. What? There was a time in which... Uh, my friend Regan went on from my other podcast was telling me this a time in which it got so bad that a bunch of people just died. Hang on, so the London fog was caused by pollution. That's the, what I said. To the point where people died. Yeah. So it's like modern China. I guess so. Whoa. How times have changed, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen up, everyone. In Pakistan and further in the Islamic world, this is how you greet people. First you smile and you say, Assalam alaikum. Assalam alaikum. And he says this to this man who's standing in the doorway of his restaurant. And he looks pretty indifferent. Just stares at him blankly. Sound effect katakana appear on the screen to let us know that there is silence. As soon as I saw it, I literally burst out laughing. Yeah. It was great. You didn't have to close so suddenly. Is there a hotel nearby? And he just turns around and just... The soundtrack right is back. doing that thing. It was that sort of... It's the music that sounds a bit like, I don't know, iron bending. Iron bending? Yeah. Okay. Or metal... Metal... Metal twisting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the that we heard in Strength a lot as well. Mm, true. Um, the ominous silence music. Yeah. The weird ominous silence that isn't ominous silence. Mm. But you know it's ominous silence. The man walks into the darkness of his restaurant and for a split second, Joseph thinks he sees cockroaches crawling on the back of his neck. What? 
He lifts his hands up to his eyes and rubs them. He holds up his bottle of whiskey. Never again. <laughs> Smashes it against the wall, <laughs> as well as his, like, lifetime supply of cocaine. Maybe that was just a weirdo. <laughs> No, no, no. Maybe Joseph's pronunciation was so bad he got offended. But maybe he's just seeing things. Who knows? So Polnareff is like, hey, you guy, leaning against a pillar, we're looking for a hotel. One with nice, clean toilets. Oh, you're dead? Okay. Uh, so he, like, pulls his head back and notices that his eyes are pointing in different directions. And his mouth is open with an expression of horror on his face. His tongue is poking out. Uh, he falls backwards and lizards crawl out of his mouth. I mean, it's a dead giveaway when his eyes are in a different direction. Oh, yeah, I see the problem here. You got mouth lizards. Ah, awkward for you. I've seen this before. Amateur error. Call it in... An exterminator. (laughs) Exterminator. I couldn't decide whether I was going to go for doctor or or exterminator. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, you get the exterminator for outside and the exterminator for For inside. inside. That's all it is, guys. Makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So they 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 do some detective work on his body without touching the body. Well, first they're just looking at him. Oh, heart attack, stroke, maybe, maybe, probably not. I mean... He is holding a gun that's smoking because it's been fired. I mean, it could be the gun. Within the last two to five minutes. Probably not suicide, though. There's no wounds or blood. Ooh. What could it be? Why doesn't anyone care that this man fired a gun then died in the street? If he's dead, he's dead. That's all there is to it. Pakistan's a rough place, especially when you're in death fog. (laughs) Now Kakyoin gets to have his encounter with a creepy local. (laughs) There's this woman with his back to him walking, holding a baby with... A little boy next to... Yeah. So he just goes, Hey, lady, we need some help over here. Can you call the police? She turns. And and her face is covered with festering acne. Well, she says it's festering acne, but based on what we learn later, it could be sort of... It could be decomposition. It could could be be maggots. Leprosy. Yeah. Could be yellow temperance. (laughs) This woman is not being helpful. Yet she's kind of vague and uninterested. Hey, call the police. Oh, it appears my face is a bit acneous. Oh, did you need something? It appears my face is a bit <laughs> acneous. No, no, she says to Kakyoin, did you need something? Oh, it's like, yeah, look, there's a dead body over here, buddy. Oh, a dead body? What should I do? Um, fucking, I just told you to call the police. The police? What for? D- look, look, look. There is a dead body, okay? Do you understand the concept? Wait, who's on first? D- <laughs> and then she walks away being like, oh, I'm so itchy because of my acne. <laughs> And Kakuin is just standing there, left repugnant. <laughs> He's just like, what? Just fucking, what is wrong with people in Pakistan? Yeah. No one cares. No one cares that a man just died in the street. This is unusual. This is decidedly weird. It is. It's weirder even than in New York or Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Jojo has a moment where he's like, hey, it's that dog. He sees that dog that was dead <laughs> outside walking through the streets with a dumb expression on its face. Can we just... This dog has a very flat face. Yeah. Both in terms of its expression and its physical form. Maybe it's got a bit of pug in it. Possibly. But it's just, it looks so dumb. (laughs) You just can't help but feel bad for it. He gets distracted from this dog because someone, maybe Polnareff, I can't remember, starts talking about how this fog is creepy. Look, up there, it looks like there's a skull in it. (laughs) And then we get a really weird shot. We get some prolonged shots of first the fog just sort of swirling in a vaguely skull-like shape. Mm. And then actually forming into what we later learn is the stand justice, which is a floating skull with two skeletal floating right hands. 
bongo bongo style kind and of... a crown on its head. Yeah, it's kind of like, is it Andros from Star yes. Fox? Andros, bongo bongo. Um... Any other Nintendo villain. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's two giant hands and a head floating mm-hmm. ubiquitously above Wherever. Stuff. Yeah. But, and, and also for a moment in the shot, the tarot for justice is right next to it. It's just like flashes. But of past. course that's not really there, so of course the protagonists wouldn't acknowledge it. No one knows that this is really a stand yet, but we do because fog happened. At this point, I like to think that this is how Joseph and Jotaro bond, which is by investigating a deadly mystery. Because <laughs> they sort of crouch down together by the body like, What do you think, old man? Is it a stand user? No, that's... That's impossible. What, they have no motive for killing this other guy. But the death seemed extraordinary. And they're just crouching and Kakuin and Polnareff are off to the side. They're just watching as yeah. these two Joe stars. You got these two Joe stars solving crimes, fighting bad guys, doing things together. Father and son. Not, no, not that. Almost father and son. <laughs> Grandfather and grandson. Definitely a generation away <laughs> from father and son. You know, doing things together. The only things they know how to do. Which is Fight run, bad guys. Run away. Solve crimes. Run away. Uh, shout at women. Stand. They know how to stand really well. Stand in a good pose. Stand proud. Ooh. They know how to stand proud. They investigate him. Yep. They figure out that he's a traveller like them because he has a bus and train tickets in his pocket. Joseph is pulling it open with a pen and he has Indian money so he's probably from India. <gasps> and then they pull down the, the, col- the collar of his shirt a tiny bit. And he's got a big wound in his neck. Huh. There's no blood. It's the size of a 10 yen coin. Huh. How interesting. Yeah. But as you said, no blood. No. It's on his throat. So you'd think there would be a lot. Yeah. It's basically just a big hole that goes into him too. But there's no woundage. No. It's just a hole. This was no ordinary murder. Let's investigate further. Jojo rips off his shirt and he's just peppered in these holes. All across his torso. As Polnareff says, it's like Swiss cheese. It looks like the cartoon cheese you'd see in Tom and Jerry. Oh, Polnareff, you're a special one. (laughs) It's true, he does look like the cartoon cheese you'd see in Tom and Jerry. (laughs) Tom would be stealing that from under Jerry's watchful eye, and Jerry would try to hit... Hang on, is Jerry the mouse? Jerry's the mouse. Okay. Tom's the cat. Jerry would be stealing that from under Tom's watchful eye, and then Tom would try to hit him with a big mallet, but then somehow end up hitting himself. Oh, Tom, you old goose. You scamp. You silly cat. The odds that a stand user is nearby just grew. Joseph is like, let's get out of here. He tries to hop into the car. You know, he puts his hand down on it and tries to huck the rest of his body over the the rim of the jeep into it. But then he looks down and he's not jumping into the car. He's jumping over a big spiky iron fence. (gasps) What? But how did that happen? It's unclear. Oh, what? He hermit purples a nearby telephone pole or something. And just before he impales himself, pulls himself up and just lightly pokes himself. And he's like, oh! He slides down the front of the fence and goes, oh no! I thought it was the jeep, but it's not the jeep at all. Jojo goes, hey, what the hell are you doing? Are you stupid? I think Polnareff is like, why did you just try jumping into the jeep? The car was right here a minute ago. Like, we parked all the way over there. Like, what? No. And then we look over where they parked. And who's that approaching through the fog? It's a small square woman. (laughs) Old lady Enya. (gasps) She's an old lady with a kindly face. (laughs) Yes, yes, You must be travellers. It's dangerous to leave town with the fog and the cliffs. I run a B&B. Come stay for the night. I'll make it cheap. You sound like a weird, frail Professor Frink. (laughs) Glavin. (laughs) 
Can you imagine if Professor Frank was in this episode and he just shows up and is like, Morning, boys. <laughs> now, there's a great transition here uh, to, the, to the ad break. Because yes. they go, we finally met a normal person. And then sinister chords strike up and we get a, a purplish close-up of Enya's eyes. <laughs> and she just glares daggers at them. Then we get the ads, as we always must. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Standmaster Joseph Joestar, stand name Hermit Purple. It's good times, good times. Cut back and the dudes, some, some townsfolk are stretching the dead traveller away. Yeah, but they also look rather dead. Yeah, they've got boils and... Bad faces. Yeah. Terrible teeth. We can't let our guard down. This is a creepy town. I don't like it. I don't like it here. Come now, Mr. Joe. No, I'm just doing the narrator voice. <laughs> Come now, Mr. Joestar. That is my hotel. I am really bad at voices. I don't know if you noticed or not. Well, I mean... Really? I can pick one. I can get it right once. And then I can never do it again. You just gotta practice them all the time, nonstop. What was, what was the voice I was doing a moment ago? Old Professor Frank. Come now, Mr. Joestar. That is my hotel. I shall lead the way. Please come with me. This hotel is small, but about 20 years ago, one of the 007 films was filmed here. And John Lennon from the Beatles stayed here. <gasps> is that true? Nope. Oh! Okay. But it's a nice B&B anyway. <laughs> I actually genuinely thought, whoa, what? Did they really do that? And it's like, no, not at all. I, like, I don't know what I expected. There are no other guests. Do you want meat for dinner or fish? And Jojo has a Phoenix Wright moment where he's like, hold it. Hold the fuck up, old woman. You just called him Joestar. You just said Joestar a moment ago. How did you know his name? Uh, this is the part of the show that I referred to you this latter half of the episode is dumb idiots telling bad lies. <laughs> and I was like, is she really an idiot? You were like, she was telling bad lies. How'd you know that name? Uh, uh, well, you know. That guy said it. Oh. And, and Polnareff is also an idiot. So he's like, did I? I might have. I, I must have. I might have said it. Sure. You did. When you're in customer service for as long as I have. Whatever. <laughs> you learn names quickly. And then glare. I will end you all. By the way, what happened to your left hand? Oh, I burnt it. Just on some boiling water. That comes from being so old. Oh. Oh, you're not that old. I'd I mean, say you're only 40. Maybe I'll ask you out on a date. Oh, don't tease me so. Laughter, laughter, laughter. Cut to internal monologue. I hate you most of all, Polnareff. You're the one that killed my son. She says, I'll make you suffer a thousand times what my son did when I cut your dick off and rip your guts out to kill you. Whoa. Took a turn. I mean, mid-tier threat, but still a threat. Like, holy crap. It's no... I'm going to bloody you up good. That's true. It is no, I'm going to bloody you up good. But at the same time, whoa, cutting off dicks and feeding. This isn't a Serbian film. This is a nice, fun anime. This is a bizarre adventure. This is a bizarre adventure. So they go into the lobby. It's nice and spacious. It's a good time. It's like um, the best Marigold Hotel. You mean the most exotic? Yeah, probably the best, most exotic Marigold Hotel. <laughs> what happened to the second most exotic Marigold you Hotel? You don't want to know about the second one. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I really like the joke Polnareff makes here. It's so corny. Um, he says, because they're all signing signing the guest book. Oh, he says, yeah. My autograph's worth as much as Lennon's. I'm Polnareff, after all. I, I love Polnareff's dumb, jokey flirtations with her, not realising that she's evil, because yeah. he is exactly the sort of guy who would like flirt with an older lady to try to make them feel good and he would be like the one in ten who has the charisma to pull it off for (laughs) women who aren't already 
don't already have vendettas against him. <laughs> How many women do you think have vendettas against him, though? I mean, he's been around the world a fair bit. He has, he has. He's Polnareff. He's Polnareff. <laughs> Maybe, like, between one, two hundred. Out of ten. Yeah, you know, a few. Jojo signs his name and then closes the guest book. This will be significant in future. What? Not in this episode. Will it? Ooh, okay. All right. I'll show you to your rooms. Polnareff jumps onto his bed and he's like, man, what a weird town. Anyway, time to go take a deuce. (laughs) So he immediately leaves his room, goes into... The other room. The other room. Where they're failing to use Hermit Purple to spy on their enemies. Yeah, the TV's broken. And they're like, hmm... TV seems to be broken. That's uh, that's that's good strategizing on Anya's part. Yeah, where it's like she knows that Hermit Purple can be used, right? Because Dio, presumably, knows yeah. Because Dio knows that Hermit Purple yeah. is used. Yes. So. So there's that. It's it's just good good thinking, good plot work, sneaky. Yes, they're like, oh, that Polnareff, he's so carefree, going to look for a toilet at a time like this. Oh, As the stand user about Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park says, <laughs> when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> Truly. Never have truer words ever been uttered by the words of Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Jojo is leaning against the wall with his arms crossed like a cool dude while this is going on. And we see tiny bit of fog seep in through the window. And then we go out the window, outside, as Western music starts playing. Western music? Yeah, who could that be a portent of? Oh, well, there's only one, like, Western guy that I know of, and that's Whole Horse. Whole Horse's spurred boots step through the entryway of the bed and breakfast we got there ah <laughs> uh, he rings the bell he's leaning against the desk all smugly and Enya comes down and sees him oh whole horse what a pleasure the joe stars are on the third floor right i tracked them as far as this town but i didn't expect to see you here oh and she starts crying and runs away whole horse pursues her now when we say she starts crying oh okay so so just streams of water flow from each eyes out of her mouth out of her nose yep Possibly her ears. Just like a whole facial waterfall. It's kind of like the Niagara Falls, but a human face. Mm. But bigger. So she runs into a back room in the lobby and he pursues. Uh, and... I'm crying because I'm happy, whole horse. Thank you for coming to see this lonely old woman. I'm very happy to see you. Oh, well, I'm happy to see you too. You are my son's friend, right? Uh... uh well, I mean, you know, I... <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. I was friends. Were you close? Oh, I worked with him. Yeah. He, he was a dear friend. We made an excellent team. Where are you fucking just now? <laughs> Will you avenge him? Yes, sure, why he not? Says, I'm going to avenge my best friend. <laughs> so he's really he's really sort of doubled down on it quite quickly. Really hammering home yeah. his lie. <laughs> she turns slightly and we get a gl- see a glint of something metal in her hand. <gasps> She turns and jumps at Whole Horse really quickly with scissors and stabs him right through the wrist. What? But why would she be doing this? And she sort of flails against him for a bit, like, uh, scissoring the scissors open and shut. And he's, like, screaming in pain because he's just been impaled through the wrist. And he's just like, what? What? Why? Why did you stab me? I'm so happy because I can kill you. And then she licks the blood off the blade. But I was Whole Horse's friend. How dare you abandon my son. I was determined to kill you as soon as I saw you again. This is Jojo's World Theatre starring Liam S. Smith. <laughs> God, at some point I should try doing some voices. <laughs> but he was already dead when I, you know, sorted over went to down. him. And she leaps out of him and he does a cool dodge roll. <laughs> she says, I'm going to kill you with my stand. Justice. Uh, you've never seen it before, but check it out. It's pretty cool. She does like she some hand motions. waves both of her hands upwards in slow motion and fog gathers around them. 
Ooh. Spooky. Now we know why there's fog. Fog starts pouring into Whole Horse's wrist wound and blood the blood from the wound starts to sort of seep outwards into the fog. It gets kind of sucked like a vacuum yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. It's very odd because the fog and the blood don't really mix. It's no. just like the blood comes out and then just vaporizes. Yeah, exactly. And then the wound just turns into much like those wounds we saw on the dead man outside. Just a Believe clean hole. The cheese, man. Yep. On Tom Jerryson. <laughs> Tom Jerryson. Uh, just a clean hole straight through his wrist. You can see the other side through it. Yeah, he has like a shot where he looks through it and goes, Oh, what? Yeah. My stand, Justice, is a stand made of fog. Any wound touched by this fog becomes a fine hole like this. She uses that phrase twice. Fine hole. Fi- now, this is very important because fine holes. Fine holes. Very important. Fine holes. See, I thought you actually had some sort of conclusion to make Oh, God, that. no. No, not at all. <laughs> the fog has entered your hole in your arm like a string, and now you are my puppet. Uh, let's take a moment to divulge in tarot time. <gasps> yeah, boy! All right. <laughs> hey, man, you got to get excited about tarots because you always learn which one counters which. Justice is the 11th card of the Major Arcana. Mm-hmm. Signifies issues of justice. Duh. That uh, actually surprised me. Okay. <laughs> uh, assuming responsibility. Preparing for a decision and understanding cause and effect. So in this case, the responsibility is avenging her son's death, right? Sure. Excellent. Excellent. Or they have to assume responsibility for what they did to her son. Maybe. And depending on how you... Assuming responsibility of others' bodies because they're dead, apparently. Cause and effect. You killed my son. I'll kill you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It all comes together in sweet circular motion. In the tarot, justice represents the understanding that life is ultimately fair and just. Even though the vagaries of day-to-day life tend to make us doubt this fact, justice reminds us that there is divine balance. In readings, justice often appears when you are concerned with doing what is right or making sure you receive your due. This card can also appear when you are feeling the impact of a past mistake or good deed. The cause you set in motion at one time is now returning to you as an effect. Yes. Sometimes justice is a signal to do what needs to be done. A time comes when responsibilities must be accepted and accounts settled. That seems very appropriate to the episode. No one can hear the finger motions you're making, Nicholas. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to like follow along with cause and effect was easy because it's just like cause goes one way, effect goes the other. But then accounts is like another finger you have to add into All the right, mix. sure. And then... The past will continue to haunt you if you do not recognise your mistakes and make amends for them. Polmaref. Okay, that's another finger. So that's... Of hypercube of responsibility. Justice is a, is not opposed by any of the major arcana. Whoa, what? But it is reinforced by the emperor, signifying regulations and legal issues, and judgment, deciding and accepting past actions. I think she accepted past actions by saying that she's going to kill someone. And it's just occurring to me now that all three of those things, emperor, justice, justice and future judgment, mm. spoiler alert, I guess, uh, are arcs that concern Polnareff and his past, and Jay Guile. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now when I hear Judgment, I'll just be like, it's a Polnareff episode. You'll, Polnareff forget. Episode. You'll forget. Yeah, I will forget. Guaranteed I'll forget. I also have the Jojo Vele note <gasps> for uh, Justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a Jojo Leon interview thingy about Enya, but since this is a two-parter, I'm going to leave that for next week. Okay. A scary natural phenomenon of the desert, bringing down a verdict of death. It's a great stand because you just draw a skull, add some holes, and you're done. <laughs> so, hang on. So the entire inspiration for this is, hey man, all you have to do <laughs> is draw a skull with some hands and you're done. 
That's it. Beautiful. Fundamentally, I start drawing without thinking about how the enemies will get defeated. So there's a lot of times where I'm in some trouble because I make them too strong. Laughs. Oh, don't worry. We'll find a way out of it. We haven't really got anything explicit to go on, Ari. Horror inspiration for this one, but there are some fairly obvious influences. Yeah, because I thought it would be a haunted house, but it doesn't seem to be the case just yet. I think with the the danger in the creepy, isolated in slash B&B, there are shades of things like The Shining and Psycho to this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you you've this is giving stuff, some stuff away from for next episode, but I'm sure it's something that's fairly easy to put two and two together. Uh-huh. With all these townsfolk full of holes... And the the puppetry, uh-huh. there's going to be some sort of zombie-ish themes going on. I never would have gathered that they were dead. In that hordes of undead I, I never would have thought that puppets. one <laughs> I mean, yeah, then we basically have a Dawn of the Dead situation on our hands. That sounds like a good time. Mm. At this point in the episode, justice manifests itself properly, and it's a skull with a crown and floating skeletal hands, as we saw before. <laughs> I just love how it has a crown. <laughs> It's very it, sort of King Boo. It can't just be a skull with hands, okay? It needs to have, like... Some, it needs to have I'm, some flair. I am King Skull, yeah. okay? That's all it is. Enya has control of Whole Horse's right arm? Yes. Yes, right arm, yep. And makes him shove it into his mouth. And then effectively... He, he barfs, basically, through, around his hand. Yeah, he's just in a bad way. He manages to wrench it out, and he's like, don't get so cocky. Summons the Emperor, goes to shoot her. She... Still Justice pulls on the fog. Yep. As he's pulling the trigger, the gun turns around right into his face. Bang, he flies across the room. Blood showers the floor. Polar F, who's going downstairs looking for a toilet at this time, <laughs> hears a, a, a bang. And he's like, hey, what's going on in that room down there? Enya hides behind a door and is like, curse you, Polar F. And the dudes at the top are just like, you're Polar F. What are you doing? And Polar F is just like, I'm looking for a toilet. That's okay, Polar F. You wacky dude. Um, I'll be in the lobby if, uh, you know, you guys need me, by the way. The toilet curse continues. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And that's to be continued. That's literally the whole episode. Nick, highlights and lowlights. I reckon highlight is actually going to be whole horse getting controlled and then summoning the emperor and shooting himself. That's a good moment. Because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, don't get so cocky. I'm going to shoot you. And then it's just, no, she still has control of your arm. Oh, wait. Yeah, she still has control of the arm. I also just love uh, the way Holos flexes his arm when he's summoning Emperor. It just looks so stylish. Where it just comes out. Yeah, and it sort of spins into mm. his hand. It's a very Assassin's Creed weapon-esque. Yes. Where it's just like, and now I have a gun. It's the ultimate quick draw. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that my highlight is Joseph almost impaling himself on that fence and then Hermit purpling him his way off. Because I feel like they actually put a fair amount of animation budget into that one very short action sequence where he's falling, turning in slow motion, like, oh shit, Hermit Purple. Yeah, no, it felt that way. Yeah. It felt like there were many frames where he was just falling in slow-mo. And I, of course, love to see Hermit Purple being used as crazy whips. Where it's not just, hmm, I can see things from far away. Yeah. With my vines. Low lights. Okay, not the amazing threat. That much is amazing. The what, sorry? The amazing threat. Ah. Oh, yes. Rip your balls off, eat your brain, whatever. Dick eating, whatever. Man, a lot of people threatening Polar F's genitals. Ebony Devil, Enya. Well, to be fair, he is French. And the French are world-renowned for their lovemaking. <laughs> so if you rip off his dick, suddenly it's like, hey... Cause... You have unmanned him. Yeah, pretty much. And he seems like a manly man, as it were. Anyway, low lights. Low lights. I don't know. I don't know. This, hmm. this wasn't really a low light heavy episode. It was just a whole lot of... 
We'll get there. I, I'm gonna go with getting rid of Anne now. Oh, <laughs> true. Because I, th- I can't quite remember, but I feel like that scene might have been added for the anime. Wait, um, wh- the by Anne, get on the plane, here's Jojo. Wait, so in the manga, it was just Anne's gone. Well, they said at the end of last episode, we're gonna put you on the nearest plane as soon as we can. Oh, wow. And that might have just been it for her. Oh. And I feel like it's just a really unsatisfying way to wrap up her little subplot. Yeah, we're just like, oh, I wish I could okay, see Okay, bye. I and mean, now you're gone. Off on the plane. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. She sure did get menaced by like three or four stand users. An orangutan. <laughs> a puppet. A fish man. Not the puppet. Oh, wait, no, not the puppet. A blob. A blob. And a car. Oh, shit, the car. True. And Polnareff driving. I mean, really. <laughs> the true threat. The true threat to their safety. Yeah. I mean, probably just the pace of this episode was a bit off. Because it took a while for it's them to... It's a slow burner one. I, yeah. I've told you this happens a few times with the two-parters. Mm. Yeah. You know shit's going to go down the second episode. Yeah. But for the first half of this episode, it was just, but wait, there's fog here. And you're like, maybe the fog's a stand. Hmm, there's a lot of fog, though. Maybe, maybe These the locals sure are weird. Maybe they're being controlled by the fog. Maybe the fog is the stand. Maybe we should... You know? Mm. So, yeah, probably the pacing is the low light for this one. But even then, still pretty good. Yeah. Still still very tasty. Tasty episode. That's a spicy meatball. Oh, it's a spicy meatball. So, Nick, this brings us to the prediction segment of our show. Because you may not know what this is, I want to ask you, Nick Ballantyne, Uh what you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Uh Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. Sure. Uh, it's the episode entitled mm-hmm. Justice Part 2. <gasps> what? <laughs> Who would have guessed? I never would have guessed. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, like 80% confident that the people outside are going to be a bit more relevant to what's happening inside the hotel. Yeah. Because we had the whole setup of, huh, everyone's possessed. Yeah. That dog that was dead is not dead anymore. Yeah, I figure maybe that's going to come back at some point. There were graves outside the hotel. Yes, you pointed that out to me when we were watching it. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe zombies just come out of the ground. It's like, oh, this is clearly Dio's work. I mean, zombies have been in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure before. So, you know, something like that might happen. Yeah. Um, I think Whole Horse might be dead, but he'll be possessed. He shot himself in the head. Yeah, so... So he will be, like, the avatar of Enya's revenge now. Yeah, I reckon so. Where Whole Horse will just walk out and be like, hey, boys, how you doing? And he'll be wearing his hat so you can't see the the hole in his head. Exactly. Exactly. It'll be like the little bug that Dio uses, except a hole. Full of fog. Literally the exact opposite of the bug. (laughs) Um, Bud. Was it a bud? Yeah, flesh Ah, bud. I thought it was a bug. Well, you're wrong. So there's so that. So wrong. So <laughs> wrong. Uh, yeah, so that'll come back. I reckon Polnareff won't be the one Polnareff. To... Polnareff. <laughs> sorry. Polnareff won't be the one to deal the finishing blow because he's learned about teamwork now. Oh, yeah. So I reckon it's going to be Kakuin who will step up. Oh, yeah? How's he going to do that? You know, I didn't think that far ahead. Uh... He'll hatch some sort of cunning scheme. Yeah, he'll be like, oh, don't you know? He'll reverse fog... the polarity on the zombies. They attack Enya. <laughs> Don't you know that water is a polar molecule? I didn't. Magnets! And then just magnetise it all or something. I don't know. Kaku is a smart kid. He doesn't have magnet powers. Shit. Not yet. Not that we know of. Oh, yeah, true. Don't you know that a Hierophant Green is a magnet power? You're like, what? And then you're just sitting there going, okay, hang the fuck on. But hang on, why are the magnets helping? you, you (laughs) You shoot emeralds. You don't do magnets. It's like, ah, but... But I, now I do. Now I do. But how are the magnets going to help? 
Well, if water is a polar molecule, then he can effectively move the fog as he wants. Ah, okay. Yeah, so he just draws it all to one location and goes, now the fog can't move. Just balls it up and throws it away. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, soaks into Mm, the And then just kick the crap out of Enya. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you can't use fog. Fuck you. Yeah, but okay. um, yeah, at some point, whole horse is going to be disposed of by uh, you know. I reckon Polnareff might actually shit. Now I'm going to call him Polnareff. <laughs> Polnareff might actually dispose of whole horse, but the team will dispose of Enya. Okay. Yep. Cool. And she won't get away. If it weren't for those meddling kids, she would have gotten away. But no, none of that. Only these forty-year-old dudes. <laughs> they're like most of them are teenagers. That is true. That is true. I keep forgetting that they're not like thirty. Yeah. So we have a question here. It's in the correspondence time. Okay. This comes from doramontm.png, aka at ChewTalks on Twitter. Ah, oh, that makes more sense. Wants to know your opinion, and mine of course, mm-hmm. of how you are liking the um, stand of the week format compared to the sort of more serialized structure of the previous parts. Hmm. Okay. Well, I have some thoughts on the matter. The one question I've let Nick know about ahead of time, and he writes a speech. <laughs> To err is to human. Okay, we're done here. <laughs> okay, so basically... I to thought... err is to human. <laughs> yeah, to err is to human. Okay, um, yeah, I basically came up with two main points. One was that love the tarot theming in each episode because it's like, it's a new thing every it's week. It's a fun bit of symbology. Yeah, so you get like, what is he going to come up with in this context of Around the World in 80 Days to slow them down? So you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a nice little twist every yeah. episode. The problem is... I don't like that everything resolves so quickly because mm. in part one and two, you had Dio's the threat, but you saw him before you established that he was the threat and then like they would come back. Yeah. And you'd have guys like, um, who were the two knights again? Uh, Bruford and Tarkus. Yeah. Bruford and Tarkus had multiple episodes dedicated to them. Most of, honestly, almost half of part one was just that. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, Bruford... That's probably an exaggeration. Don't correct me on that. Wait, was Bruford the big one or was Tarkus the big one? Uh, Tarkus was the big one. Yeah. Because he was named after that armadillo monster. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Tarkus, like, exerts himself as a threat and then Bruford, like, steps in. No, other way around. Tarkus doesn't exert himself as a threat. Um, What what do you mean? So, like, one of them steps in. Yeah, does their their fight. Does their thing. Yeah. And then the other one comes in and is like... Bruford was redeemed first. Yeah. And they sent... Tarkus to the depths of hell. Yeah, but it was like, one of them basically said, yeah, I'm going to fight you. And the other one had already done something before. Well, if you recall, while Jojo was fighting Bruford, yeah. there was half a dozen shots where Zapelli and Speedwagon were going to be like, we need to help Jojo. And then all of a sudden Tarkus would be looming behind, yeah, but true. not actually doing anything. Yeah, whereas like, I could kill you all right now. If you remember, there's that one particular shot where that, that happens and they say, Tarkus, he's gonna... And they cut away and yeah. just never address what he was gonna do. <laughs> oh, man. Part one was a hell of a rollercoaster. Um, yeah, so that kind of stuff where it lasts longer and so you get more interesting fights. Yeah. But uh, I think part two did that the best where you had, like, Whamu, who he won the fight. And then Joseph was like, but wait, give me 30 days. Yeah, let's get married. And then you already knew, Whamu's going to fuck him up. He's he's established himself as a credible threat. Yeah, exactly. And then you know later down the line, oh shit, that's like an actual threat. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's kind of like, hey, Who's this chump? Yeah, I'm a magical stand user. I'm powerful. I'm dead. Yeah. You know? I'm... Indifferent. Hall Oats. Watch out for me and my (laughs) private eyes. 
don't eat me. As soon as someone defeats you, it's like, oh no, they're going to eat me. Yeah. Was that a man-eater reference? Can be now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. For my money, I say that a lot on this podcast. Um, yeah, we have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, we're rolling in it. Jojo's World Patreon at gmail.com. <laughs> That's how Patreons work, right? Sure, it is now. <laughs> I talked about this a lot during part one and two, that I really like how they have sort of tighter storytelling mm. as a result of their format. Yep. Honestly, I think that while there's a lot of fun that you have in part three as a result of the change in format, it doesn't really nail the balance between having an enemy of the week and also compelling ongoing storytelling yeah. until about part four or maybe late part three. Yeah, because um, right but, now I'm still sitting here I going... Mean, eh. you, have, you have little mini arcs that are fun, like the Singapore stuff. Yeah. And, but then you also get subjected to the doldrums of their sea adventure, which, as if you recall, we weren't huge fans of. <sighs> but he was such a smart orangutan. Well, also, Dark Blue Moon before that was also a kind of... Nap, Dark Blue Moon? The fish man. With the imposter captain. Oh, yeah, the fish man. And then mm-hmm. also other weird little mini arcs like Anne's whole bizarre adventure. So I think there are, there's, there's, and of Polnareff's subplot, of course. Mm. Which has just resolved very quickly. So there's scope for sort of overlapping arcs in this format that I mm. like, in that you have concurrent stories that will tell each other yeah. over the course of several episodes. But I feel like just in terms of telling a cohesive narrative at this point, comparing uh, part three to. One and two, I think one and two do a preferable preferable job for my liking. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm still like, yeah, the meta is there. (laughs) They are certainly moving towards Egypt. That's true. Pakistan is getting there. Sure. Run faster, guys. Come on. TikTok, boys. Dio's are not hunting you. Well, they're on a time limit, if you recall. Yeah. 50 days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 30 now or something. Um, 30-ish. I think last time we heard that it had been 10 or 12 days. 10 or 12... But that was a while ago now. Damn! Okay, alright. It's gonna be a lot of episodes. Well, we know how many episodes it's gonna be. 50? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But we know. There's a finite amount of episodes is what I'm saying. There are some number of episodes that will occur. Thank you. If you have further listener correspondence for us, you can tweet at us as doramon.tm.jpg did um, (laughs) at Jojo's Podcast on Twitter. Or you can email us uh, for longer queries at jojospodcast at gmail.com. I will answer every question you send in that you're allowed to see. Until next time. To to be be continued. continued.